Well, good morning, Rock Bible Church. I like second service. You actually have to tell people to stop talking. First service is like, hey. Well, uh, like Kevin said, uh, most of our church, if you're looking around and you don't see someone that you usually see, most of our church is in Costa Noa right now. And uh, that's why I'm here. I'm, I'm Brent Baldwin, one of the associate pastors here. You second service people might know me better as the person who leads the stampede right after worship. Uh, speaking of the stampede, no stampede today. Uh, I figured most of the students are going to be in Costa Noa, So, uh, But welcome to Happy Sunday. You want to know why? Because it's short Sunday. So our passage today is 10 verses, so I figured the students can sit through that. So um, uh, We're going to be going through Jonah 2. So as we get started, ushers, you guys can come forward, passing out Bibles, pens, bulletins, whatever you may need. Um, because Scott's not here, uh, I get to say controversial things. Because I can. Um, I was in Chicago, and I was walking around Chicago everywhere, and I would like to make the official stance of Rock Bible Church that Uno Pizzeria in Chicago is the best pizza. So uh, if you ever find yourself in Chicago, they'll tell you Luminati's, they'll tell Giordano's, they'll tell you Gino's. No, 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 Uno Pizzeria on Ohio. Which one? No. <laughs> the tourists that like food. So uh, just go there. If, you, if your friends, you know, oh, tell us about your church. What do you guys believe? We believe, I don't know, but we believe that, you know, the pizzeria, who knows the best, thing, right? So I, I was there. I was in Chicago. Well, Ashley and I, my wife Ashley, her twin got married in Bloomington, Indiana, and we looked around, and then we went to Chicago because, uh, <laughs> you know, Bloomington, Indiana doesn't have much, but we were there for about four days, and I ate all of the pizza. Don't worry. And it was, it was a great time. Happy to be back. Um, we, we went through, if you were like me, you missed Jonah 1. So I'd like to give it a little recap. Or if you're like me, uh, you left second service last week and completely forgot what Jonah 1 was about. And Jonah 2 does not make any sense without Jonah 1. So I want to take about 30 seconds, probably like two minutes, but like 30 seconds talking about Jonah 1 and what happened. Uh, Jonah, uh, opening up, we met a man named Jonah. There we go. That was good, right? You listened. Uh, he was a prophet. Uh, when we think of prophets today, usually we think of like fortune tellers, usually someone with like a crystal, crystal ball that tells your future. Uh, not so much, like Scott said last week, uh, it's, prophets are usually um, uh, defined as someone who just simply tells the truth. They receive a message from God to tell a specific group of people, and uh, that's what they do. In Jonah, the message was repentance, and the people were a people group to the north of where Jonah was called Nineveh. Uh, if you do a quick Google search on Nineveh, you will uh, learn that the people of Nineveh were not good people uh, in any way. Uh, they were very hostile, very violent to their enemies. And after researching it for about five minutes, you would probably understand why Jonah does not want to go there, right? He'd probably be killed in a very vicious way. And uh, yeah, so you would understand that. Uh, Jonah chooses not to go to Nineveh, not to the north. He, he sails to the west 
to a place called Tarshish, right? Well, he tries to. And uh, on the way to Tarshish, God sends a storm. And uh, the storm is very, very harsh. And the crew, the sailors, uh, start throwing all their cargo overboard so the ship doesn't sink. And that's not helping. So a group of non-believing sailors uh, chose to do something very common of the day, and they drew lots. Drawing lots is basically drawing straws or drawing sticks or whatever game you used to play, and, and the loser or the winner was his fault. Jonah uh, drew the short stick, and they asked him, what did you do? Why is this storm upon us? What's going on? So he tells the story that I just told, how he's supposed to go up north, and instead he goes west. And uh, that's why the sailors must, Jonah tells them this, they must throw him into the water, right? Um, after some arguing and complaining and reasoning, um, the, the sailors actually do throw Jonah into the water, and the storm ceases. Jonah is drowning, and uh, he's saved by a big fish, right? Uh, I love the book of Jonah because the, the book ends with a bit of hope, Actually, the book ends by, or the chapter ends with a little bit of hope. The chapter ends by saying Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights. Uh, why would that be hopeful? Anyone know? He's alive. There's an end goal, right? There's an end date. Uh, he wasn't just there forever. He didn't just get digested, right? He, he, he wasn't, that wasn't the end of the story. Even in chapter one, before really anything happens, God is showing us, the readers, foresight, that um, there's some end goal, which brings us to chapter 2. So if you have your Bibles open up to chapter 2 of Jonah, or if you're an iPhone user like me, it's okay, you can use that as well. Uh, verse 1, then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the belly of the fish, saying, I called out to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol, I cried, and you heard my voice. If you are unfamiliar with the uh, term Sheol, it's a very Old Testament word, a symbolic place that's very uh, closely related to hell. It's not, but it's very closely related to it. It's a place that's dark. It's a place, uh, I would say, most importantly, that lacks any hope so whatsoever. If you're in Sheol, that's it for you. Right? There's no saving grace. There's nothing there. And, and Jonah is saying, out of the belly of Sheol, um, I'm calling out to God. So out of a place of noth no hope whatsoever, I'm calling out to God. It's kind of cool, the, um, the imagery. right? Where is Jonah right now? Belly of a whale, belly of a big fish. right? Uh, and he's saying, in the belly, in this actual physical dark place, I'm, experiential, I'm experiencing actual uh, spiritual darkness. So it's a cool double imagery that's going on there. Uh, verse 3. Uh, For you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the floods surrounded me. All your waves and your billows passed over me. I have a question for you, and this is why I, I wanted to summarize chapter 1. Who threw Jonah into the ocean? The sailors. Who else? Think about it. God, because Jonah's saying that. Who else? Himself, right. Who told the sailors to throw Jonah into the water? Jonah, right? There was no audible voice of God that came over everyone and said, you, know, you need to throw this guy into the water. You have to, 
right? So it was God. Um, why were they in that situation in the first place? Disobedience. Jonah, this, this book is talking about how, so far, about how Jonah was disobedient and he was being punished. So it's Jonah's fault. But physically, who actually threw him in the water? Jo- Jonah could have just jumped overboard, right? You ever think of that? Why? Why did the sailors threw him overboard, right? So there's three people who threw Jonah overboard. And um, what I would say in this is that I, I would not discredit God's um, role in throwing Jonah overboard, right? I think that's very dangerous to take God out of the scenario so far. We, um, as a humanity, as Christians in particular, uh, very easily take God out of hard situations. Uh, Why, how is God a part of um, bad times in your life, and serious bad times of your life? How is God a part of your divorce? How is God a part of your friend, your family member having cancer? How is God a part of that? I think it's very dangerous to exclude God from that part of the process. We'll see why in a little bit. Um, In verse 4, then I said, I'm driven away from your sight, yet I shall again look upon your holy temple. The waters closed in over me to take my life. The deep surrounded me. Weeds were wrapped about my head at the roots of the mountain. I went down to the land whose bars closed upon me forever. Yet you brought up my life from the pit, O Lord my God. See, why is it dangerous to remove God from the situation entirely? What happens when he saves you, right? If Jonah was drowning and Jonah just swam harder and Jonah got out of the water, who gets the glory there? Jonah. Let's not pretend that we would be like, oh, well, I'd give God the glory for giving me swimming talent, right? That doesn't happen. We don't do that, right? Let's pretend they weren't able to, but let's pretend that the sailors were able to save themselves out of the storm, right? God sent the storm. We all know that. He's in all control. He controls everything. But they threw enough cargo overboard, and they, they paddled as hard as they could, and they got to shore. Who gets the glory in that situation? Themselves. And let's just assume that Jonah winds up almost drowning and a fish comes and saves him and God had nothing to do with it. It's just an accident. Nothing to do with God and it's just some natural phenomenon, right? The fact that they threw Jonah in the water, the sailors threw Jonah in the water and the storm stopped was just some total natural phenomenon. happening that had nothing to do with God whatsoever. See, if we remove God from the beginning, I think it's a lot easier to remove God from the end, right? Uh, Verse 7, when my life was fainting away, I remembered the Lord, and and my prayer came to you into your holy temple. Those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love. But I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will pay. Salvation belongs to the Lord. And the Lord spoke to the fish, and it vomited Jonah out upon the dry land. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. Amen. Let's wrap it up. Go home. No, I'm just kidding. We still got like two hours. Um, So... uh, 
before we we move on to our good church three points, all that good stuff, I would ask I would like to ask what salvation did Jonah have? Right, salvation belongs to the Lord. Jonah is already a believer, so what salvation was found in this chapter? Maybe in chapter one, depending on how you look at it. There was a question mark at the end of that, by the way. What is the issue? What is Jonah facing right now? He's cast into the storm. He's he's underwater. He, death. He's drowning. That's an issue, right? How did what? God saved him. How? The fish. The fish was the salvation in this. That is the good part. We look too much, I think, at Jonah and say that that was the problem. He got swallowed up and he got eaten. That's not true. That was the good part, right? Jonah is underwater. You guys ever go in the ocean and you're swimming? and you're above water, and then that little slimy seaweed touches your leg, and you think it's like a squid or an octopus or something. It's just some seaweed. Terrifying, yeah? Imagine being underwater, and that stuff goes around your head. It's so dark, you don't know where you're going. You don't know which way is up. You're drowning, and you are physically caught by your face in seaweed. Yeah. Jonah needed saving, and it was by a fish. Right. Um, in my uh, today, I wanted to talk about a couple views of God. We see a couple of actions by God, and I kind of wanted to talk about those. Um, I wanted I'm going to be using some terms, so I wanted to uh, kind of explain those first. Uh, atheist, the word atheist, uh, usually commonly depends on who you talk to, but for the common person, an atheist is someone who doesn't believe that there is a God. Right, they believe there is no God, and um, the term agnostic um, sometimes is confused, but there's a pretty big difference. Agnostic is someone who doesn't doesn't know if there's a God, and there's really no way of knowing. Right, so that's the difference. In my 29 years of being on this planet, I can honestly, truly tell you that I have never met an actual atheist. Right, after talking to them, eventually they'll come down to two points. They either reside in the agnostic realm of like, we well, we just don't know, right? And that's why I'm an atheist. You're not an atheist then, you're an agnostic. Or the second, and I would say more commonly, it can be summed up by two points. I'm an atheist. I believe that there is no God, and I hate him, right? And those two points just don't make sense together. You can't hate something that doesn't exist, right? So, truly, I I think that uh, that they're out there, but in all of the realms of uh, spiritual discussions I've had, I've actually never met a true atheist. Um, So, I'm going to be talking about the two uh, most commonly viewed perspectives on God, and this goes beyond just Christianity. This goes to agnostics, atheists, all those things. The first... Um, that we see is the God of the storm. So when Jonah acts, God sent the storm. Um, I wanted to uh, say something real quick uh, in case you haven't caught up on it. Uh, here at Rock Bible Church, we choose a book of the Bible and we go chapter by chapter. right? Uh, and in doing so, our hope is that when you stay with us long enough, you get a holistic view of the Bible and a holistic view of God. What I don't want to happen 
is us forgetting what, how Jonah got to chapter 2, right? Jonah chapter 2 is a result of Jonah chapter 1. Jonah is being punished for his disobedience, right? And this is the kind of God where we see a lot in today's culture, right? Uh, we, especially for people outside of the church. When you, when you go experience God anywhere besides the church, this is the kind of God that you're, you're going to see. You'll, some, you'll, you'll see a God who's vengeful, vengeful. You'll see a God who's wrathful. You'll see a God who simply is a bully, right? You hear stories about people saying, if God is all in control, how can big, big, big scenarios. If God's in control, why did my kid die? If God is in control, why do I, why do my spouse, why do my friend's family have cancer? Big questions. And if you only hear about that God, you'll come to a very, very scary place. You'll come to a God who is simply a bully. You'll come to a God who simply does not care and is not around. And when he is around, you wish he wasn't. Right? I have a, um, a song for you guys. Uh, I, I didn't have a rap song last time and I got a lot of flack for it. So I, I'm, I'm showing you guys a rap song. Uh, if you want to uh, hear it, it's really good. Um, two letters, the artist's name, N-F, right? N-F, and the song is Oh Lord. It is a modern-day lament. If you are unfamiliar with that, that term, uh, it is a style of writing where it's very desperate. Um, a lot of the psalms, some of the proverbs are like it, but a lot of psalms are like it, where you look at your life, you look at your situation, and you say, where is God, right? And that's the, the title of the song is, Oh Lord, right? You're looking at your life, you're looking at your life situations, and you're saying there can't possibly be a God who's involved in my life right now. So hope you enjoy. When I die, put my ashes in the trash bag. I don't care where they go. Don't waste your money on my gravestone. I'm more concerned about my soul. Everybody's gonna die. Don't everybody live, though? Sometimes I look up to the sky and wonder, do you see us down here? Oh, love. Oh, love. Do you see us down here? Oh, love. Oh, love. Do you see us down here? Oh, love. Oh, love. Do you see us down here? Oh, love. Oh, love. Listen, yeah, everybody wants change. Don't nobody want to change, though. Don't nobody want to pray. Tell they got something to pray for. Now everybody's going to die. But don't everybody live, though. Sometimes I look up to the sky. And wonder, do you see us down here? Oh, Lord. to blame God, but hard 
harder to fix things. We look in the skylight, why ain't you listening? Watching the news in our living rooms on the big screens and talking about the guys really real and where is he? You see the same God that we're saying might not even exist becomes real to us, but only when we're dying in bed. When you're healthy, it's like we don't really care for him then. Leave me alone, God, I'll call you when I need you again, which is funny. Everyone who's sleeping appeals them blame God for our problems like he's sleeping on you. We turn our backs on him, what do you expect him to do? It's hard to answer prayers when nobody's praying to you. I look around at this world we walk on, it's a smack in the face, don't ever tell me there's no God. And if there isn't, then what are we here for? And what are y'all doing down there? I don't know, Lord. Do you see Ladies, I know you got it. You got that one list where it's like Cry Fest 2017 on your iTunes and it's a good song to put on there. But um, um, where's God? California is burning, literally. <laughs> you know, we've lost tens of thousands of acres, thousands and hundreds of homes. People are dying. Very easy to get to here. To see God as some bully. To see God as some absent bully that you only see every once in a while. A bad boss, maybe. Guy who lives upstairs, works upstairs, and you only see him when it's bad. You know? That's the God of the storm. And I think everyone in this room could see that this is dangerous. The problem is, is that there's another God, and it's the God of the fish. Right? When Jonah acts, God sent the fish. We, we don't see only Jonah being this guy who messed up. We see, this jo- we see this guy named Jonah who's calling out, who's wrapped up in seaweed, who's drowning, who's about to black out, and he calls to God, and that God is a savior, a healer, a redeemer, and he sends an impossible situation to save Jonah. He sends a fish. Um, I took... In my university days, I took a class in the Old Testament, and one of the first, we were going through Jonah, and one of the first questions was, um, you know, how did God save Jonah? And I put a whale. (laughs) Wrong big fish, right? God sent a big fish to save Jonah, right? And, And to avoid that over there, we go on this side of the equation, and we say God is a savior and just that. He loves everyone. He saves everyone. Guess what, folks? That's a huge issue. Doesn't sound like it, but it is. Why? Who goes to hell? Why would that God, why would this God send people to hell? Who needs to be punished? No one. A Savior doesn't send people to be punished. 
See, we get so caught up on worrying about this God, about worrying about this God over here, that we fall into the, the problems of this God over here. The last point I want you um, to remember, and this is, this is the point, right? I was corrected. I used, I, I used red knit language. Don't use red language. You cross it out, cross that bottom one out. I said, never forget who God is. It's wrong. Always remember who God is. Green language, right? Always remember who God is. See, the Bible displays, uh, portrays God as a father. And a lot of us don't have good dads. I'm not going to lie. It's, it's out there a lot. And because we don't have good dads, we wind up that our dads were a bully, our dads were a jerk, and that's what we say to our God. Or the other way, that our God, our dad was the cool dad who never put us in punishment, who never did anything like that, and we got to, go, we got to get away with anything. It simply is not, either one is not the God in the Bible, right? Um, did you guys see the, the title for this message? The storm or the fish. See, so you have an option. You pick the God of the storm, God of the fish, or in true rock Bible form, both. My favorite answer, yes. It drives Ashley insane. <laughs> right? It, you have a God who puts you in a situation that is unbeatable. You have a God that puts you in a scenario to teach you something. You have a God who puts you in a situation that is too much for you to handle. Jonah could not swim out of that storm. He was drowning. And that, according to verse 3, was God. God threw him in. But, but, this is Happy Sunday, we have that same God save him from that situation that he put him in. There's a lot of bad, straight up bad things in this world. And a lot of bad things are going to happen to you. You could just say, God's a jerk and I'm going to do it my own way. You could say that God's not putting me into this and I should just... You know, it, no way that has God has any control over this. Personally, I hope this is true for you. I find extreme comfort knowing that the person who put that put me in that scenario can very easily take me out of that scenario. Whatever I'm facing, we've had to move five times in five years. You know, like family all over the place. I know that you guys are dealing with stuff that's incredibly hard. And, and, and that's, that's using the term lightly. But somehow, God could use that scenario to grow you, and not only grow you, but to get you out of it. Um said it was going to be a short sermon. So I'm, I'm going to pray. But remember, in all these scenarios, that um, we serve a God who's loving. 
We serve a God who's a father. And we serve a God who's not afraid to punish us, but also loves us enough to save us. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray for offering now. Father, I thank you so much for who you are. Thank you so much that um, we don't need to understand everything. Uh, there is so much in this life that are, is simply just over our heads. And we can't, we can't know everything. But I am happy to serve a God who does know everything. I'm happy to serve a God who does have a plan. I'm happy to serve a God who, who loves me enough to grow me, but also loves me enough to save me when I need saving, Father. I uh, pray for this time of offering, God. Um, I pray for anyone who is a guest in this room, that they feel no obligation to give, but they simply recognize what we do as a family. Lord, pray for all these things in your name. Amen.